All right, we are back here on the Just End the Suffering podcast. The Sky Guys are here. We're talking season four of Star Wars Rebels. We are wrapping up our journey through the animated Star Wars canon. Necessary to understand the Mandoverse. First up, the man whose voice you just heard in our introduction here, and you hear him every time, Pete Constantine. Pete, how are you? You know, it's a bittersweet moment. This is the last uh, Sky Guys podcast until we figure out our next move, right? We, we, we've done this journey for it's gotta be a year almost now right um and we're finally finishing up rebels um clone wars and rebels definitely um two two shows that i know myself and mike didn't watch but nick had some background on so uh yeah excited to talk about it mostly and we'll talk about why it's mostly for me later <laughs> but yeah excited to be here yeah excited to be here as always and rocking the star wars shirt tonight the Jedi master of this trio here. Nick Fred is here. Nick, how are you? Yeah, same as Pete. He he said it, he took the words out of my mouth. It's bittersweet. You know, I, it's it was always nice knowing whatever it was, I had to watch some sort of Star Wars. Like it was in the back of my mind. Like, oh, I can watch those episodes, you know, to, to keep up with what we were doing here. And to what Pete said is like a year ago, I have the, the date, at least for me. On December 4th of last year was the episode of The Mandalorian, The Tragedy, which, Mike, you had me on for that episode. Yeah. And then we all went on for The Rescue, which was December 18th, two weeks later. So basically, since we did that rescue, we pretty much started Clone Wars right after that finale. And so, yeah, it's been literally a year Yeah. of us texting to the side, working on um, this, watching, and it's been fun. Yeah. Pete, remember back when we watched Zero of the Hut in the Clone Wars movie? I thought, like, man, what did I sign up for? Yeah, no, that was that was rough. I, I mean, there were some still rough parts throughout the year with every season. Yeah, I don't, I don't think anyone can tell me I'm wrong. But uh, that that first that first movie we watched, I was like, this is gonna be brutal. Like, there's no freaking way I'm getting through what was it? Seven seasons of clone wars. And now four, I was like, there's no way I'm not yeah. doing it. This yeah. is, we're going to do it. And I'm just going to be, you know, snooze fest. Um, but yeah, no, it, it, clone Wars surprised me rebels. You know, we'll talk about it a little bit more kind of on par of what I thought they would be. So it, it's, it was a, it was a nice surprise, at least for the clone wars. Absolutely. Let's get to the season. We're talking here. We're working on the final season of rebels and, they shut this down, I think, in the end of 2017 and 2018. So they tried to get more into the resist into the sequel trilogy mode where we started bringing in the Resistance cartoon, which we are not following. We are not doing that next. There's no need for us to do that. But we're going to talk about Rebels Season 4. And I thought, Nick, I thought I had a lot of fun with it. I think there were stretches where it was a little too long. I think the Arkham of Fall thing is about two episodes, maybe three episodes too long. But I think the whole thing, I thought, flowed pretty well. Yeah, there weren't really, there weren't really, you know, there, there may be if I look back and really think about it, but there were not many episodes, if any, really, that were like, oh my God, this episode, they're really, you know, most seasons we have that. I don't think there really were maybe one or two. I can't really think off the top of my head. If you, there is, you can think of, please let me know. But to me, there were no episodes in here that I was like, this needs to be over now. But sadly, this show unfortunately had really, really, really bad um, viewership. And I think that's why they ended it. Yeah, that does suck. And Pete, what did you think about the last season as a whole? Overall, great. Um, if we're comparing it to the season, the last season of Clone Wars, I would probably put Clone Wars above it. 
Um, and I'm sure we'll discuss that a little bit too later on. But like, like Nick was saying, I mean, I, I hate to, to be redundant here, but it, there wasn't really anything that stood out to me in an episode or even arc that was just like, we didn't need this, right? It was, you know, we I feel like with Clone Wars and Rebels, there were a couple of times where pretty much each season we're like, we didn't need those three episodes. We didn't need those four episodes, you know, with the longer seasons of Clone Wars. So it was refreshing to know that at least this last season, everything mattered. Not to say that other episodes didn't matter necessarily, but I always try to think of it. And we've talked about this on this podcast before. I always try to think of this. What if I was watching this week to week and there was four episodes, right? And you're, this is a month of this crap, right? We didn't have that, which was good. Um, we have the luxury of binging it because we have Disney plus um, and it's after the fact that we have that luxury of streaming services. But if I was someone who was watching it month to month, I always, or excuse me, week to week, I've always try to take that angle as well. And surprisingly, this this season didn't feel that way. Yeah, there were no droid arcs, Pete. There was no like four episodes of like Chopper and AP5, like trying to solve mysteries. Yeah, but at least Chopper has like a kill count that's like astronomical, right? Yeah. Like, it, you know, C-3PO was like every other episode just blowing up a Star Destroyer. Okay, like we'll we'll rock with it. But but those those droid arcs were just atrocious yeah and nick we're gonna dive now into the season really three separate storylines really two two episode ones of the gang then the rest of the season on the fall so let's start with the mandalore stuff we teased the end of the season three podcast where we get the resolution to sabine's quest to reunite the clans of mandalore so bo katan comes back in this is how bo katan gets the dark saber as pete correctly surmised in the last podcast where I think we could put the start, the dots together that basically Sabine yielded it and Bo-Katan takes it, which sets us up for why in Mando, she says, I'm not going to take it from Mando when he gets, tries to give it to her again. So what do you think about that arc? I mean, this is it. This arc was good. It was really good. I loved it. But this is why we watched the, all these shows. And that's the, I mean, forget all the other episodes right now. If this is where the show ended, a year ago when we did this journey, this is what you guys came for, right? Yeah. Like this was all the background you needed. The other stuff was nice. It was cool to say, of course, maybe, you know, the last episode had some stuff with Ezra and Thrawn. Sure. But this is why we did this journey was to understand the dark saber, to understand Mandalore, Mandalore as a whole. And now we do. And it was a good arc. And you can see here, I, I had said this back I don't remember if I said this when we were doing Clone Wars stuff or if I said this during Mando stuff. I think I did this in the Mando finale. I used, I put my fingers up in quotes and I said, Bo-Katan is not a good guy. And she's not a bad guy. And I think like, you kind of like see Bo-Katan in this way. And she looks like a good guy in this show. Absolutely. She's definitely a protagonist of the show. Like not the protagonist, you know what I mean? She's a hero. But you can kind of see here why... Like, it's hard to explain, but when she comes into the Mandalorian, people don't think of it as like, oh, Bo-Katan's here, she's going to help, she's going to do this, she's going to be a good guy now, she'll never do anything wrong. And It's not really like that for, for Mandalorians. It's about doing what's right for the Mandalorians. And you see that with Bo-Katan here, and that's why it makes sense in, Mandal in the show, The Mandalorian. Yeah, Pete, what did you think about see, seeing how your theory ended up coming true here that Sabine basically sees Bo-Katan come to help and says, this is the leader my people need. She deserves a dark saber and basically hands it to her. Yeah, I mean, the writing was on the wall from season three. I think Sabine had mentioned something like Bo-Katan's a better leader than I am. And that kind of just, I think for everyone that was watching, if they're watching with us or if they've seen the show, they kind of knew that's probably how it was going to happen, especially if they saw Mando and 
you know, you see Bo-Katan say that. I have to be honest with you, though. I still don't know about the Darksaber, right? Like, how did, um, is it Moff Gideon? My yeah, that, yeah. Uh, right. Don't know how he has the Darksaber. I thought maybe we would have saw something like that um, to connect the two to be like, oh, it makes sense. But I, I think that's probably where the direction of Mandalorian is going is going to be more now. It's not just about the child. It's Moff Gideon having the Darksaber, Mandalorians being involved. You know, that that's probably going to answer more questions than, you know, the Rebels would have, uh, the Rebels show. But yeah, no, I, I I enjoyed that arc. Like Nick said, this is this is what sparked this interest. Um, it's amazing how, I don't want to say little, Mandalore played in Rebels and in Clone Wars because it didn't, it wasn't little, but like, it wasn't like super duper heavy duty on Mandalore, those arcs. So it's funny how we got so much more information, so much more story to talk about other than we want to understand who these characters are from that show, The Mandalorian. Yeah, Nick, he brings up a good point here about the sort of Mandalore, like sort of lack of presence in it. And I think for this show specifically, we sort of just dealt with Mandalore stuff through Sabine, which I think was probably the right call since she is the main character on the show, which is one of the main six. I thought it was interesting seeing how like, we experienced how she sort of like rejected parts of her culture and was trying to like change her image a little bit. And we get the whole conflict of this arc about how she created this weapon for the empire that was going to basically destroy her own people. I thought that was a pretty compelling direction for them to go. Yeah, that was, that was a very good episode. And I like how they, you know, they went in, switched it. That's that pretty cool. But you know, um, the dark saber back to that real quick. It's, so this is the last we see of it until Moff Gideon has it. And all we know in between is that there was the great purge of Mandalore. We know nothing really about it except what we've heard in Mandalorian and somehow they lost it. So to keep it like in a timeline sense, it's Bo-Katan, I guess where we are in the timeline right now, she has it. Something happens as a great purge that we've learned a little bit about in the show. And then Moff Gideon ends up with it. And back to this show, um, it was nice to see uh, Sabine kind of in the lead again. Uh, you see a little bit more of that in like season three and you start maybe a little bit in two. I don't remember. I think starting in three, but I think in two was like, it was mostly Hera and Kanan running the show. And now it's in three and four. It's kind of like Ezra and Sabine running the show, but it's nice to see her in a leadership role and her taking charge in a plan and like, you know, all of that. Yeah, it's definitely fun to see. And that's basically the end, really, Sabine's spotlight, which sort of fades in the background once the story shifts other directions. Although, we do get the second arc. We see her and Ezra teamed up again, where they get picked up by Saw Gerrera for that mission he runs, where he's basically trying to take a more destructive approach towards combating the Empire. We see this in Rogue One, the movie, and we get sort of the the founding tissue of it here, the connecting tissue, bringing it together. And Pete, what do you think about seeing the Saw arc and seeing what happened with Saw Gerrera compared to where we saw him last? You know, it it's nice to see the the character progress. Um, we always knew that Saw had this kind of run and gun kind of approach, right? We saw that in Clone Wars, we saw that in Rogue One. We see that in Rebels even more so. I don't think we feel I don't want to say the angst, but maybe like the 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 upsetness of Saw about losing his sister until Rebels. I think in Clone Wars, you could see he's just determined. In Rebels, you start to see maybe he's starting to get on the little paranoid, crazy side. Yeah. 
um, like we see him in Rogue One. So I think the character development between the shows is good, but because we know his character from Rogue One and also kind of see the starts of who he is in Clone Wars, it's not surprising, right? It's not like, oh my God, what happened to Saul, right? It's not like when we saw Maul for the first time when he was absolutely bonkers with like half robotic spider legs. They're like, oh, wow, what the heck happened to him? So it was a little different. It wasn't surprising, but it was it was nice to see. I've always preached character development in these shows, and it was definitely um, smart on their part to, to keep it going so that there's a connection between Clone Wars and Rogue One. Yeah, Nick, it's something you talked about before with Saw, like how like he's sort of the scattershot side of the Rebels where he's the more violent half, where he's like, you know, you have to fight fire with fire. You can't just do these rebel tactics and avoid like major conflicts and avoid the killing people. Like you have to actually take action. And we saw the break a little bit in season three when he shows up on Geonosis. And I think here you usually see he basically fully on that path. It ends up leading to his death. Yeah. So two things. One, let me speak about what you just said, which is absolutely. And that's my favorite part of the Disney star Wars is what they did to the rebels and giving them a whole background and, how they weren't just a group of unified cells and they took time to become unified cells and how, like you just mentioned, there were two sides to it. There's the Mon Mothma side that we're not going to fight. You know, she tells Jin Erso, I can't do it. The odds are too great. Blah, blah, blah. And then you have the Saw side where they're literally terrorists in the street. But one thing I just, I noticed immediately. So this season came out after Rogue One. Yes. The previous seasons did not. Actually, season three did, but it probably was filmed beforehand. I don't know how animation works with filming. It's I probably it's easier than live action. Probably done concurrently, I would guess. Yeah, but look at Saw in season three and look at Saw in season four. He aged about 30 years. Yeah. He Because they wanted to match him to what he looked like to Forrest Whitaker as much as they could. To like what he actually looks like, but... um. Yeah, so keep in mind this came out after Rogue One. So you can hear that they're making they're making legit like obvious references to Rogue One, like with Krennic and stuff, and like it would never have mentioned that stuff before the movie, and now they're doing that. So it's an interesting thing that I saw. But yeah, as like I mentioned, that's my favorite thing post. Like, I don't know what you call it, but post purchase of Star Wars by Dis- by Disney is the background to the Rebels and like the Rogue One stuff. Yeah, it certainly is a lot of fun, and Pete, I think this arc, I think two episodes, although it was just long enough, I mean, at the end, it doesn't really play much of the season, the whole thing, more reserved, just tying together a loose end between Rebels and Rogue One, I think that's more so what we got here. Yeah, absolutely, I think one episode probably would have been too quick, um, almost like that would have been, to me, a filler episode, if they just did one episode, just be like, hey, here's Saul Guerrero, and then you don't see him again, I think the two episodes were fine, um, I think they tie up a lot of loose ends, which is which is nice. Um, but to Nick's point, the 30-year like difference, right? I don't know how long season three and season four came out, but that's like continuity that would bother me if I was watching it and like a gung-ho fan, right? I was, you know, while I was out, like I'm obviously a very big fan here. But if if he's changing in age that quickly, it kind of yes, you you want it to match, but they didn't they didn't like go crazy to match Boca Tan's age, right? Or or anything like that. So um it's funny that they did that. That's probably the only thing that bothered me. But other than that, it was a great arc. Yeah, Nick, I did like that your point that we did see also the 
chatter at Yavin 4 where we see the our the ghost crew end up there for a little bit where Mon Moth is talking. I was like, oh, you can't trust Saw. Saw is a crazy man. Like, Saw is doing all these ridiculous things. That was nice to see that, like, conflict play out there. How cool is it just to see Yavin 4? Yeah. You don't see it outside. You see it in Rogue One, but outside of Rogue One, you don't see it since the original movie. How cool is that? We're finally back. Yavin 4, you start seeing, you start seeing, like, oh, all right, like, I, I like the prequels and they, they did a good job at leading up to the to the originals, but there's a lot of time in between. This literally brings you like Rogue One and and now Rebels literally brings you right to the start of episode four and you understand the fit the state of the galaxy more than you did from watching episode three. A lot more. Yeah, for sure. Let's go on now to the arc to get the rest of the scene, which is the quest to free Lethal from the Empire and this is Ezra's big passion project where he's been trying for months to get the Rebel Command to okay a mission to go help them. They Rebel Command, my mom that says, no, I can't divert the resources. So the ghost crew just goes on their own. They bring Callus along and Rex. They send them off on the ship for like nine episodes or whatever. And then we spend a lot of time with the main crew on the planet trying to work together to get stuff happening. I thought, P, I'll start there. Like, what do you think about this whole setup here to like the whole Lethal arc? Let's start with the first half of it before the big event. Well, I would I would say that I'm glad that they just kind of focused on the original yeah. cast with the you know a couple extras thrown in. It took me a little bit to get into it. I'll be honest with you. I'm not saying there were bad episodes, but the first half I was like, okay, I could see they're building up. There's a lot of questions. There's a lot of different things happening. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't binge, so some of the stuff I probably can't remember, but um, the details. But overall, I think it's set up for a nice finale, and I and I think you needed them. Again, no filler episodes here. Um, the introduction, I believe, in the beginning, of the first half, it's to the loaf, loaf, wolf, loaf. I think I'm saying yeah, right. Yeah, the loaf wolves. Uh, yeah, I I think that was very cool. Um, usually, when I want to say animated kids shows, because it's it's Star Wars, and yes, it could be conceived, considered a. a kids show but you know a lot of adults watch it too because they like star wars look at us um but like sometimes a lot of the kids shows when they bring in animal companions doesn't really work but this this worked very nicely they were very intimidating but calm and they and they kind of set themselves up nicely for the end of the season as well and they weren't just like a one episode or two episode thing and then you don't see them for the rest of the show so uh overall Pretty pretty good start to that finale. Yeah, and Nick, they spent about five episodes setting up stuff before we got to the big moment in episode 10. So, like, what did you think about, like, the path to get here? Do you think it was too long? They spent just enough time setting stuff up for it? I think it was too long, but they didn't have bad episodes leading up, so it wasn't a big deal. Yeah. That makes sense. But I was thinking about something when we were just talking just now, and something just dawned on me. Do you think... Now, we know that in Clone Wars, a lot of the show centered around the dysfunction of the Jedi, right? Yes. Do you think this show has a lot to do with the dysfunction of the Rebels? Same with Rogue One, how they won't help. The Jin, we can't help you. All right, well, we're going to do it anyway. And not only did they, and then they did it. And they were right. Ezra, we're not going to help you. Fine, we'll do it ourselves. Then they did it. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I see what you're saying. I think it's an interesting point. And and, and 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 then if that is true, 
I don't dislike it. I'm not saying I dislike it, but why, why do they do that? Like these are supposed to be the good guys that we're rooting for, and they're showing us flaws in them. Yeah, yeah. P, I think, why do that? I think my theory on that, and I think this is sort of just like canoning it, where we're sort of just trying to justify like. Oh, why aren't they these guys in the show more tied into what was happening in the movie? So we need to ex- explain why they're not there. I think that's sort of like their thing of saying, okay, well, they have their own personal mission, and the and the Rebel Alliance are in the bigger picture. So let them go do their own thing. I think that's why they sort of had that like tension built into the plot. Uh, absolutely. I also think Star Wars is a big advocate of against the odds. Um, yeah. Oh, you can't do it. You, that's not the way to do it. Oh no, I'm gonna do it anyway and show you I can. It's great. It's not like an underdog story, right? Where like people didn't believe in Anakin Skywalker, right? So like the episodes, Anakin Skywalker has been built up since episode one that he's going to be the strongest Jedi ever um, and the chosen one and he's going to restore balance to the force, right? So it's not like he was an underdog from the beginning that he was like this Jedi barely making it through um, to become a Jedi Knight. It just it's always against the odds. It's always like, well, we don't believe in you the way that the audience believes in you. So we're not going to let you do it. And then you're going to do it anyway for the audience. And I think that's kind of what Star Wars has been. It pr- pretty much in probably every single episode or show we've watched, there's some underlying kind of I'm not going to listen to you because I know what's right and I'm going to do it, even though you don't think it's to your code or whatever. I mean, I just I feel like that's been overall theme. So you're 100 percent right. There's definitely other arcs that characters doing on their own so that's a way to get around it but you know Ezra like oh Ezra you can't do it that way well I'm going to do it anyway and I'll learn a lesson from it or I'll succeed you know it's it just it it always kind of comes back to that in my opinion that central theme yeah and Nick one thing about the time I want to mention also I think it's interesting is I was looking at the wiki here of like the timeline of the episodes and season yep. four the premiere uh the part ba- Mandalore said this the first episode take place in one before the battle of Yavin and then one BBY, and then it goes till episode right. eight is the last episode in one BBY. So basically, episodes one to eight is the span of a year in the show. So they're basically setting up, I think, through the episodes, like we're gonna be here a while, and they basically take the time and say, you know, this is not gonna be something we do overnight. All right, and then it's also cool to see in episode nine that it takes place zero BBY, meaning it's kind of going on at the same time as Rogue One. Yeah. I don't think we yeah, get there. I think I think Rogue One takes place like probably shortly after the finale, my guess. Yeah, yeah, it does. But you're probably maybe like during the finale or at least is like the same time that that casting and rescues Jin. You see what I'm saying? Like maybe don't stuff's going on, stuff's bit, going, like, Yeah, stuff going on in the background. Yeah, but I did want to mention I made it seem like I wasn't happy about like how they make the Jedi seem bad and the, and the rebels seem bad. I love it. I, I want to make that clear. Cause like something that star Wars does so great that no one else really, not that no one else really does, but I notice it more in star Wars is they show you the good in the bad guys and they show you the bad in the good guys. And that's great. I mean, you see the same thing in Marvel, like with Thanos and, you know, that's, you know, and, and it's not a coincidence that the, the two things at the top of my head that I think of, that show you the good side of the bad guys are Star Wars and Marvel, and two of the biggest franchises in the world are Star Wars and Marvel. I don't know that's a coincidence. Yeah, I mean, it's not just pure evil for the sake of being evil. They have a background, they have a story to it, and it makes sense. And it's not just white versus black. It's not good versus evil. It's There's a lot of gray area in there. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think, Pete, let's go on to the big moment that he really kicks the endgame into hyperdrive here, where 
Kara is off world for most of this. She finally shows up. She gets captured by Governor Price. And then we have a rescue mission with Kanan, uh, Ezra, and Sabine. Go try and get her back. Kanan help gets her back. Governor Price decides, you know, I'm just going to end that rail problem here. I'm going to try and blow them all to hell. And then she blows the fuel line. Kanan ends up sacrificing himself to save er, save the other three. You see at the end, his vision comes back as he's dying so he can see Hera one last time. Like, I admit, the first time watching it, my jaw hit the floor. I'm pretty sure yours did as well. Yeah, I mean, the, the vision coming back part was cool. Yeah. Um, I think it was like, it was like one last time you can see the person you love and they, you know, tried to put a love story into Star Wars again. I think they did it correctly this time. I'm not saying that it belongs, but they didn't like overpower you with it. But I'll digress from that point. Um, it, it definitely was a shock. I thought Kane Jarris is going to be someone that's there till the end. I didn't think he was going to be one. I honestly personally thought Ezra was going to be the one to go in some sort of fashion. Um, just kind of like how his parents sacrificed themselves to fight the Empire. I thought it was going to be kind of like a history repeating itself thing. So that was a shock to me. Um, and I think the love story, just to come back on it, helps this arc so you can see Hera suffer a little bit. I'm not saying it's a good thing to see someone suffer, but at least it gives some emotion to the characters and not just every single time they did what they had to do, right? Every time someone dies for the rebellion or anything, they did what they had to do. They, they know what the price was. This time Hera was like, no, this was not okay. This was not how it was supposed to be. And then the same thing kind of that continues on with Ezra throughout these episodes. And we'll talk about that, I'm sure, a little bit later. Yeah, Nick, I thought Pete was a good point there. A lot of times on this show, like, you sort of had, like, no matter what, like, oh, they're going to get out of this. They're the, like, this is the ghost crew. They figure out ways to get out of everything. And this time, like, no, it doesn't work like that. You end up having to take losses here. I thought it was the way he chose to go out, I thought it was a brilliant choice of the character. I definitely agree. And I feel like, I feel as if Kanan was a big character in season one. And as the show went on, he kind of faded to the background more. And it was almost a necessary loss. But I have a question for the both of you, because I was, you know, we, we, to the audience who doesn't know, we text on the side rather frequently about scheduling and where we are, what episodes we've seen so far. But you guys were both, I don't, I, don't, I guess I will say it, shocked that Kanan died, right? Yeah. I so was. I have a question. No, I'm not by any means, uh, by any means am I trying to put you guys down in any way. I have a question. Is his last year during the Mandalorian season two, at the end there when, when Grogu was praying and the Jedi was going to come, there were tons of rumors on who was going to play Ezra and who was going to play and, and whether it was going to be Luke. But you didn't hear anything about Kanan. Did that? To me, that was like a clear sign that Kanan died and Ezra didn't. Did you guys not pick up on that, or was it because you didn't really know who the characters were that you didn't kind of went over your head? I think more the latter, to be honest with you. Okay, because to me it was yeah. To me it was. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I just I didn't even know what the character's name was. I I didn't even, to be honest with you, I, we weren't even at Rebels at that point, right? We were no, even, we were, at, we, oh, we we were didn't at start, home. Yeah, we didn't even watch. Point. We didn't even watch Zero the Hut yet. I didn't even know there was Jedi out there except for Luke and Obi Wan after the rebellion. Like I just just thought they were the last kind of two, or Leia was the third, or whatever. Um, I know the the rumor at the time, which was a ridiculous rumor, but I would love it, is that Keanu Reeves was going to play Ezra. <laughs> Ridiculous, but it would be great. It would be ridiculous. I, mean, I guess it could fit. But, he, but there was but the point is there was nothing about Kanan at all. And I thought I thought it was kind of like 
the writing was on the wall that Kanan is not going to be around. Yeah, yeah. Just imagine for a second Keanu Reeves playing Ezra. We know Ezra's like 15 years old at the end of Rebels. Like, that's definitely not an age fit for Keanu. Yeah. And also, I, I, I know that Sasha Banks, the WWE superstar, when she was cast in for Mandalorian, everyone was like, oh, my God, it's Sabine. It's Sabine. It's Sabine. So I thought it was pretty obvious. I mean, not that you guys said that it wasn't, but I thought it was obvious that Sabine did not die in the show. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'll talk about that, but I want to also touch on real quick one other note I found online about the uh, Kanan saga here, and I want to point out, this is from, I think, interviews with Dave Filoni and whatnot. It says, during development of the second season, the characters will be slated to be killed by Maul in the episode of Twilight of the Apprentice. The episode gets blind. The original point was for him to die. And for Disney veto of this, they thought the character should be in every episode of the series. In response to the character's eventual death in the episode Jedi Knight of the fourth season of Star Wars Rebels, Filoni felt this is a natural end to Kanan promising he will see Hera again for being blind and said, quote, in that moment, he's not as bound to this material thing that the physicality of sight would be an limitation to him. Also, guys, think Story Wars for Kanan's death. Filoni came reluctant to kill the character, but Prince, I mean, Prince means Freddy, Freddy Prince Jr., who voices him, who was absolutely resolute about the fact that the character needed to die since the beginning of the series, encouraged him to write the scene. So, Pete, reaction to that? I don't think he should have died as early as Season Maul. two. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I... I'm not saying it doesn't make sense that he dies in this and and it's fitting. Uh, I'll be honest with you, like the, just everything that's going on. But I was just like, it was him. I thought it would be Ezra, right? I thought it would be even like Zeb. Like, I didn't think it was going to be Kanan. He's always been the voice of reason and, and stuff. And I think they I think they needed that shock moment, you know, because look, they, they made a huge stride in destroying this fuel... I don't know what you want to call it. I forgot what they just all the fuel cells, all the fuel um fuel depot story. Yeah, from the Defender program or yeah, I think it's the Defender, TIE Defender program, which again, very cool program that behind the scenes, excuse me, that they were trying to cut Thrones program Defender for some other program, which was the Death Star. Um, you know, I I just I don't I don't know why they want him to die so early. I don't know where the show would have went if he would have died so early, you know, but I think it was appropriate to, you know, a couple episodes prior to the season finale that he went. Yeah. Nick, what do you think about that stuff that we just mentioned? Like, what does the world look like if Kanan is killed in season two? It's a cool thought. I agree. Like it'd be too early. Probably it makes sense if he did, it's, but it's a cool thought. Like imagine the show if Kanan was gone. Yep. Ezra. I, I, so honestly, I don't hate it because I feel like the last two seasons, he was just kind of there anyway. And Ezra took charge, and he was just every now and then like calming Ezra down or something. And I feel like he could have done that as a Force Ghost. The thing that scares me about that, though, is I feel like if we had no had no uh, Kane in there, that we would have had Bendu be his his master, and I wouldn't have hated that idea so much. So I'm glad they that Disney said no. <laughs> well, I know you hated Bendu, and that was you said an Avatar thing, right? Yeah, he's basically a rip off an Avatar character. So your other Avatar thing came back. Yeah, the oh. Mortis Gods. Oh, we'll get to them. Just, just a mural, though. Just a mural. Just a mural. But you don't have to physically see them. Yeah. I mean, they all died, so thank God. But we didn't have to see that. See their force goes. That would have been a, a bridge too far for me. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was a nice ending for Kanan. And um, let's just say the bloodline lives on. Yeah. They said that in the finale straight up. The bloodline lives on. But 
before well, we get before we get there, I want to touch on the fact that I like that in episode eleven, the next episode, we actually spend an episode with them processing the grief of Kanan's de- Kanan's death. And this is not something that like a lot of these shows usually do. I thought it was nice, Pete, that we spent a moment with everybody sort of processing how to cope with the fact that Kanan is gone, that they have to move on without him and continue their mission without him. I thought that was definitely fun to see how everybody interpret different things. Like we see Ezra trying to figure out what to do. We see Hera adding like a totem to her family thing for Kanan. We see Seven Sabine going on the reckless mission. I think stuff like that made sense for all these characters. Yeah, like I said, I think that in Rebels, in Clone Wars 2, they did what they were doing for the fight, whether that was the fight for the Republic or the fight for the Rebellion. It was sad to see people go, but they didn't like, the main characters didn't like dwell on it. It was more like, okay, this is what we're in. We're in war. This is how it's going to work. Almost almost like a Saw Gerrera kind of yeah. approach, right? Yeah. Even though yeah. they didn't want to do what he was doing, it was just kind of like, okay, yeah, like it's sad. Like we didn't want to lose them, but we did. This was very like, okay, this hit hard. This was someone I loved. This was someone I looked up to. This was someone I considered a brother. This was someone I looked up to and considered some, you know, a companion. So this was a good way to implement that love story, I think. But it was a good way to also show that these characters are not just battle-hardened rebellion people who just don't have feelings, right? They they brought them back to human or not all of them are human, but back to reality yeah. for a second. And then they continued that trend throughout the rest of the season. Hera acts way different for the next couple of episodes when it comes to the safety and security of her team. Versus when you first meet them, how I don't want to say reckless she is, but how she's always by the book, but it's just like, no, we have a mission. We're doing it. You know, that's, that's the end of it. So it was, it was interesting to see. I think they executed it correctly. I think they were on a very fine line though, where they could have not executed it correctly. And would just came out really cheesy. Yeah. Nick, what you about episode 11? I like, uh, you mentioned, I like how they show time to recover. And you know, like a lot of shows don't do that. You're right. Now, one show that does do that is very well is Game of Thrones. They do that extremely well, but this is another example of that, and you don't really see that very often. And it's it's cool to see because Kanan, would you say was I know they kind of like they kind of try to put Hera as the leader of the Ghost Crew, but I always felt it was Kanan. Yeah, I felt like the Kanan- Jedi. I feel like he, he was a connection with everybody. I feel like he was sort of the leader and Hera was the glue. Yeah, like Kanan was friends with Zeb, from my understanding. Kanan was dating Hera, I, I guess. Yeah. And really did not really show that, you know, too much. But yeah, Kanan was the master of Ezra. Yes, um, Chopper was Hera's droid and Sabine's just kind of there, but I think feel like Kanan was the leader of that crew, and it was, you know, it was a, like I mentioned, a necessary death, but nice to see them actually mourn somebody in a TV show instead of just saying, "All right, he's gone. Let's go back to saving with all." Yeah, for sure. Let's get to they sort of this thrust to the rest of the season here. We start with the quest to figure out what the hell the Empire wants at the temple on the fall, and that's where you get the mural of the. Uh, of the Mortis trio on it, and we see Ezra Sabine crack the code on it. Ezra ends up going in there. We get to this world between worlds. Basically, Ezra's got finding portals at different points in time, and we 
wow, this is how Ahsoka survives because Ezra pulls her out of the battle right before she's about to die. So that was an interesting way to get around that problem. I was not a big fan of that one in the moment. I could think that to me, Nick, was more like Filoni saying, I got to save my favorite character and here's a cheap way to do it. Yeah. So I, I, I agree, but I don't, I feel like he could have done that so many other ways. It's not like he had to go that route. Yeah. So like, I don't think of that. I don't think of that as him trying to save his ass. I think of that as why yep. he had so many other options. It's not like he was forced into doing that. Yeah. That really makes sense. Yeah. Pete, what do you think about this as the mechanism to get Ahsoka back into, uh, into reality? Like Nick said, it doesn't make sense. I think maybe the, the reality of it was Filoni was probably grasping for straws as to why the Jedi temple is so valuable to the Sith and the empire. You know, the Jedi Temple had all the holocrons, pretty much, where yeah. it had all the Jedi secrets and everything like that. The Jedi Temple was a place for meditation and to find the answers you're looking for. I think it was just kind of like a, well, this is why they want to get into the Jedi Temple, because it's a it's space-time continuums, and you can jump through time and go backwards and save your friends. Like, it, it, it to me, it was a little cheap. I, I got to be honest with you. Like, again, like Nick said, there were so many ways... Ahsoka could have just walked up. Like all she had to do is say walk up and they said what happened, be like, I walked out before. Like she it could have been that easy. And she could have helped in that last battle for Lethal. You know, like I feel like that still would have been better than here's like Mario Kart Rainbow Road, but Jedi version, and you can go and <laughs> grab someone out of a portal. You know, I don't know. I the episode is fine. It wasn't like a throwaway episode for me, but that part was just like, really? Do we really, we, we need to make that what the temple's all about? Yeah, Nick, I think the thing that bothered me about this more was like, again, this is not a series that really embraces time travel. I know it's a big thing in a lot of sci-fi things. Star Trek is famous for how much they abuse time travel in their plot lines. And this show really going here, really just to save Ahsoka, I think bothered me because we basically have this do sex machina coming into the show of like, oh, we can go undo things if we want. We go to the right point of the timeline. I don't like that because it sort of like lessens the stakes what you have going on in front of you. You just don't see the point in it at all. And yeah, it's the first time in Star Wars, I think, that, yeah, it's definitely the first time in Star Wars that there's any sort of time travel at all. And it's just like, yeah, it's, it's not, it's not great. It's not great. And I have a bone to pick with the entirety of this show in that uh, I could be alone in this. I, I think I am alone in this, but I want to see what Coruscant looks like in the age of the empire. And I don't get to see it ever. I got to see it for one millisecond in rogue one in the background. And I got to see it in a horrible executed CGI scene at the end of return of the Jedi and the special edition yeah. with the statue. Fall. That's it. I want to see what it looks like. Give us a couple episodes on Coruscant. What does the Emperor look like? So you know how we saw the Emperor in the end? Yeah. We saw him, I believe, in this episode. And then we also saw him in the last episode as Palpatine, not as Darth Sidious. What does the public think of him? Is did, What does he look like? Does he look like that? Does he wear the hood? What does the Senate look like nowadays? The Jedi Temple they built on top of? What does it look like? Like, I want to know. Yeah. And and, yeah, it's in comics and stuff. You don't get to, You don't get to actually see it. Yeah, and Pete, as far as Palpatine showing up here, like, did that like, get your interest at all, seeing him pop up in episode 13? Uh, I mean, as as Palpatine, it's very interesting, right? Like Nick was saying, we never see it. I mean, even, like, the people of the planets, there's got to be some people that are okay with the Empire. Yeah. I'm not I'm not saying that 
that's yeah. the the vibe they're trying to give for Star Wars because the the whole vibe is that the Empire is oppressive and that's not the right way and the rebellions. But you know they've that. done that. They've done. They've shown you both sides before, like the separatist planets that we've seen on Clone Wars, like we saw the whole council. You know, right? But we, I don't. I don't think we see after Order sixty six how the people are. Some no, they don't. Or, uh, like just the people, not, not even like separatist movement, like officials. I'm talking like someone who lived on a separatist planet going, yeah, this is this is how we wanted it. You know, this is great, you know, or whatever. Um, but anyway, it, it it's very interesting to see. We don't see Palpatine ever in the episodes four, five and six as just the emperor. It's always Darth Sidious. So it. It's unfortunate that people have not taken advantage of that angle. There's a couple of live action shows coming out. Maybe they take advantage of that angle a little bit. Who knows? Probably not knowing what Star Wars, you know, execs may want in what a Star Wars show is. I don't want to speak for them, but again, it's, it just seems highly unlikely because, you know, the Obi-Wan show coming out. I don't think people are going to be like, I want to see what Palpatine looks like as an emperor. They want to see Obi-Wan. They want to see Darth Vader. They want to see, you know, Wherever anything else. else right literally anything else other than palpatine um but i'm i'm with nick 100 this is something that this is an angle that could make them 10 times more shows if they wanted to that would make it even more interesting to see because usually there's a it's there's a in star wars there's a gray era when it comes to you see the good in the bad and bad in the good we're not really seeing the gray area of society in those shows or those movies so it was interesting to see. Uh, it wasn't a lot of it. You know, it was a hologram. It was him trying to be, mis- you know, mischievous and Darth Sidious-like. You know, it, it still kind of went back to that. So it was cool, but I don't I don't think it had any major significance into, you know, feeding our hunger for Palpatine as the Emperor and not Darth Sidious. Yeah, can I just say I'm also confused exactly what he was doing in episode 13 that, like, he was just chilling all of a sudden, and Ezra opens the world between worlds. He's like, ooh, this looks fun, and then just tries to like, try and kill them. Were you more confused in that, or what he was doing in The Rise of Skywalker? No, The Rise of Skywalker was just stupid writing. This one, I have no idea what the hell happened here. <laughs> was, was that um, going to like, kill Ezra if he went through that door? Was that the thing? Like what, With Ahsoka, you mean? No, uh, I'm talking, so I'm probably talking about a different episode then. Well, never mind. That's, the, that's, that's the finale. Let's talk about 13 first. Okay, yeah. yeah. Right, never mind. So, well, I, I maybe I wasn't paying close enough attention, but why didn't he just run with Ahsoka? I have no idea what he was, what Ezra was thinking there. Like why Ahsoka went and she was okay, and then he went somewhere else. Like why wouldn't he just go with her? I think he was just trying to get out the way he came in. I think Ahsoka just took a different right. way out. Also, give me give me Tom Hiddleston as a young Palpatine. Yeah, that's easy. It makes that's perfect easy. sense. Yeah, we're not going back that far. They're never going to go back that far. Never know. You'd have to go back, I don't know, 30 years before Phantom Menace, I guess. Yeah, you would need, like, young Qui-Gon popping up in there somewhere, too. Yeah, probably. It's like you're hoping... And and Dooku? Yeah, you could, but I don't think they're going to go... I don't think they're interested in going back that far back. They're more in this Mando timeline now. No, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. But, yeah, it's. I want to know exactly what Pete said, the the random citizen. How about the guy who commutes to work in Coruscant, who works at the Bank of Coruscant? Like, what is his opinion on the Empire? How does that work? Yeah. Uh, Obviously, you can't make a show on that, but you can show me once. Yeah. 
Let's now get to the finale where we have basically the mission that Ezra has to basically figure out the, he figures out the whole idea of like, oh, we're going to uh, go get like a bunch of allies to help us. We're going to trick Governor Price into coming down to the, to the south part of the planet, which we have the wolf wolf basically managed to somehow get between different parts of the planet in the span of hours, but I digress. So the point is they basically trick Governor Price into coming down, get, capture her, go back in, bring the entire Imperial army into the base, launch it up there, and then, then send it into space. And we have a crew, I think, of Hondo's back, Hondo's assistant, Ketsu, uh, Gregor and Wolf come back, and I think whoever was on will fall with them, along with Callus and Rex. So is this the ideal strike force, Pete? I mean, it makes sense in a way, right? All these, like, unexpected characters coming back to help Ezra. You know, like, Hondo was like, I'd do anything for that boy, right? I think that was probably the exact words. And it's just funny to hear Hondo say that. Yeah, <laughs> he's always been for himself, and then yeah. just all of a sudden, at the end of, you know, what is it, seven four? Is it third? You know, eleven seasons. Eleven seasons of Hondo. Yeah, right. The last episode ever of animated Hondo is just unless he's in Resistance. I don't know. Uh, him going, I'd do anything for someone else. What? <laughs> That's nice. Where Where did that come from? I mean, granted, it was cool to see, but what? So. Yeah, good good for Hondo, I guess. Again, it, it worked. Look, he had the idea to to kind of ride along the uh what was it, the the hyperspeed lane or yep. something like that. So you can magnetize on one of the the, the cargo freights or whatever it does. So yep. I mean it, it worked. They had everything they needed when it came to the crew. Um I'm okay with it. Yeah, Nick, was everybody missing from this group and you would have liked to see them bring back a finale? I would have been mad if Lando was there. I'm going to be honest with you. Lando showed up. <laughs> is there someone you could think of, Mike? I'm trying to think because the issue is, think of the timing wise, like Wedge was part of that crew for so long. But I think at this point, story wise, he needs to be on Yavin. So I think that's why he's not there. I didn't like Wedge in this show. I felt like he was like 12. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't like Wedge, but um, no, I don't think there's anyone that I was looking for that wasn't there. I. I mean, when you have Hondo, it's a great crew. Yeah, you know, we went we went from all these times of you didn't not liking Hondo to he is one of the best characters there is. I'm just glad they didn't bring us Morgan in. That would have been the bridge too far. Oh yeah, it's definitely. But Hondo's the man. Yeah. All right, so we had the finale stuff here, and then we see they the plan works. They get all the Imperial people in the base, and at that point. Thrawn shows back up, blockades the planet, and then this is think probably is the badass, badass ass moment of the finale for Thrawn is that he basically has his bounty hunter guy disable the shield and starts bombarding the hell out of Lafal to get Ezra to surrender himself. And for somebody who we said like he wanted to see him do some badass stuff, P, I think we finally got it there. We did, but he kind of uh, I think he overstepped and he didn't think right Thrawn's always been very good at knowing exactly how many times someone's going to do something excuse me not like that uh he's good at knowing what someone's going to do next it was almost like he was playing chess yeah for some reason he did not see this coming for for some reason he just thought Ezra surrendering was like how it was going to happen he knows how resistant these rebels are and how Ezra Bridger is a Jedi Knight oh he's just going to surrender because I'm firing on his people okay yep we got him like what you, you've been such a mentally strong character the whole season. 
the last episode of the finale, yes, he he flexes his muscles and he does some some really badass stuff and like I'm gonna blow up your planet until you surrender. Fine, but he really didn't see anything else coming from this. He thought this was the end game. I got him after he's been predicting like two or three steps ahead of it when it came to everything. Like I'll let him go. We'll see him again. I know exactly what he's gonna do. Like he was very overconfident and good at predicting what they were going to do but for some reason oh they don't have a plan outside of what they're doing right now that that to me bothered me a little bit and yeah, i think in terms of what pete said there i think he's more playing the odds there he's like well the jedi is the most unstable element here if i take him off the board then i have an entire base full of stormtroopers and imperial officers against like 10 people i should be able to storm the base back so i think he's playing the percentages there i think he thinks that that's the right play yeah, and let's take a second to just appreciate how cool this whole sequence is. Like, the battle itself. You know? It's a fitting... It's like a nice finale. Like, you, you know... Not that we didn't get a nice battle at the end of Clone Wars. I mean, uh, not that we didn't have a good ending to the end of Clone Wars. We didn't have a good, like, a battle at the end. We just kind of had really, really impactful moments. So it's nice to see, like, an all-out battle kind of thing. Kind of like a... On a much, 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 much smaller scale, a little like Avengers Endgame kind of thing. Get everyone together, you know. Yeah. Get the crew up. Get you know Gregor and and all you know everybody. Hondo and cool to see, but yeah, I agree with you that Theron is just playing the odds there. I I guess and um, yeah, we'll we'll talk about her later. But that Governor Price. Oh. <laughs> yeah. We'll get back. I said to you though, Mike. I said to you, she looks perfect for that role. Like, like yes. the the imperial, like menacing looking villain. She has the perfect look, and she even sounds like menacing too. But she has a, her head. Oh my god. Yeah, not great. But before we get to the end battle here and the moment that made Pete cringe in this finale, let's get to what happens with Ezra. He surrenders. He goes on the ship, and he says, "Oh, somebody wants to meet you." And we see Palpatine there, and how basically hologramming in as. Chief Palpatine, the old Chancellor, like look, and he's basically trying to trick Ezra into going into, I think, the part of the temple they stole and saying, "Oh, go stay with your parents. Like you can go with them, and then everything is great." And then he figures out it's a trick somehow, and then Palpatine gets pissed, and the shadow of the Chief disappears, and we see the real Emperor hiding in the in the Zoom. Like, like, what do you think the play was here? What was the plan? Just to him to go in the in the temple and blow him up? I think it was some spiritual thing that we're not supposed to fully understand, like, like Luke in the in the cave, and like when Ray was doing them with their hands and all that. I think it's the same kind of idea that he's supposed to just like give in to temptation. Yeah, Pete, any thoughts on what Palpatine was looking for here out of Ezra? You know, obviously he was trying to bait him to go to his parents, whether that was real or not. I don't know if they were trying to play the whole, I have a portal to your parents because you saw portals on Rainbow Road in Mario Kart when you were in the Jedi painting. You know, I I don't know if the, the plan was to lure him to that thing and then when he gets to the other side, like some monster eats him. Like, I don't know what the play was other than Temptation and we won't know what the end game was for Palpatine or Darth Sidious in that moment, but it was also another good character development thing to see Ezra say, I need to let you go. I need to do what's right. And just completely sabotage the whole plan for Palpatine. Nick, this is, I'll get to this a little bit later also, but my question here is this, if Ezra is so important to Palpatine, 
Because we see him in episode 13, he knows his Ezra finally, and we've heard Thrawn's are making reports about him to the Emperor. Like, if he's that important to you, why are you doing it over Zoom? Why don't you just show up? I don't know. Because we know he's a master manipulator, so like he can go go there and maybe talk to him and maybe like twist him into maybe doing what he wants. Not, maybe he's not as important to him as they made it seem. It's a very it's a very odd choice. It's like if you're throwing the Emperor in the show, just having him over holograms doesn't really feel like a good use of the character. Well, think about it, right? Obviously, Ezra was not a big of threat to have Vader come and take care of it. Yeah. Right? It, it, so, like, Vader had to come and take care of them the first time around, right? When the the Sith holocron and everything, because that was an important mission. After that, you don't hear from Vader. So, obviously, the Emperor probably didn't think this Ezra Bridger guy was a problem, and he thought Thrawn would just take care of it. So... If Vader wasn't involved, I feel like maybe he wasn't that big of a deal to the Emperor. Yeah, Nick, my point, I think that changes, though. I think when he's in that world between worlds and, like, you see the time travel thing and then maybe as Palpatine thinks, oh, I need Ezra to help me with the time travel part. Is that important for that part of your plan, whatever plan he's doing? We never, and again, we'll never know because at this point Palpatine is dead in the real life. But, like, if he's that important, why don't you go try and t- talk to Ezra and try and get him instead of just luring him into a portal where he might see his family or not? Is he dead? Well, this time we saw him like mercilessly mutilated by Ray, so hopefully it actually sticks. Well, what do you mean? At what point in time? I mean now, like in the story on we're in, whether it's the Mando timeline. Oh, I thought, I thought you were talking about the Mando verse because in the Mando verse he's alive. Yeah, but we're not going to see him though. He doesn't show up again until until episode nine. I don't know. Did you watch these shows yet? <sighs> if they go start bringing him into the shows, I mean they've got something coming. I mean. Look, well, in the timeline, they spent the prequels. They spent the prequels kind of like, not the prequels, sorry, the Clone Wars kind of like fixing the mistakes of the prequels. And they're yeah. kind of the same with Rebels in a little way. You don't think, because I do, that they're going to spend the Mandoverse trying to fix the problem with the sequels. Probably. I mean, they already started to with the uh, cloning yeah, thing. With the, the cloning and even Bad Batch is kind of doing that too. I think not that they're going to show Palpatine. I don't. I, that would be crazy, but I can see them going down a path similar to that. And just you know, that's what it's that's what it's going to be. These shows are going to be how to make the sequels make more sense because what's bad for business when people are complaining? Yeah, people are saying, "Oh, this doesn't make. Excuse me, this doesn't make sense. Make it make sense. No one will complain." All right, so let's get. Oh, there'll never be no one complaining, but you know what I mean. Yeah, let's get to the finale, the end of the finale here. We have the last big point here, where Ezra summons the space whales back to help bring uh, Thrawn into hyperspace, send him into. I'm the- good. Thanks. <laughs> As we lose Pete on this part of the project, he is te- checking out right now. But Nick, the space whales show up. We'll talk whales. We'll talk the whales. The whales drive. They basically take them to the great unknowns we have no idea where they went and we don't get that answer at the end of the show and the he leaves to get thrown out of the mission and then the rest of the rebels blow up the base all the imperials on it so in terms of resolution here what do you think nick um i i, I don't know i feel like i like it the show everything about the show i like but i don't love it I don't know. Maybe because Thrawn wasn't in it until season three. It doesn't have that big of an impact on me, you know? Yeah. We're watching Clone Wars and we see the finale of Darth Maul. And like, I've known Darth Maul for 20 years. 
That's awesome. I've known I've known Braun for a year and a half. I don't really care. Like not let me rephrase. I don't care nearly as much. Like it's it's a cool, it's a fitting ending. It works well for the show. But Thrawn, I, I don't see that much of Thrawn and Ezra face to face where I know of a big rivalry between the two of them the way I do with like Maul and Ahsoka or Maul and Obi Wan. Yeah, like that, may, I don't know. It's kind of like more of a payoff in that sense. And not to say that this is bad in any way, but there's not really a big payoff here. And yeah, I mean, it's cool, but and it fits, but I don't really care about Thrawn. All right. As he- much as I care about the other guys. P has rejoined us now. Here's, and I could sell that he was not happy with the space whales, but like in general, what'd you think of the ending? You know, I jinxed myself because at the end of the last podcast, when we talked about it, I was like, if any more stupid crap happens with, with, with space, I'm not going to come on the podcast. <laughs> and the, and the finale, the <laughs> last freaking episode, the thing that defeats the Empire are freaking space whales. <laughs> well, I, you have a, uh, there's a there's a Jedi, there's a Mandalorian, there's there's a Hera. Like you, you don't need space whales. Bring Ahsoka back. Have Ahsoka <laughs> beat the crap out of Thrawn and let him flee. And then you know Ahsoka and Mando saying, "Where's Thrawn?" That makes more sense too. Like you could have done so much better than freaking space whales and that's why i left for 10 seconds yeah i i i'm sorry like nick said the show's fine the space whales killed the last part of that finale for me yeah. it absolutely ruined it for me you have all the resources that star wars has given you over the years and that is what you come up with yeah, I, I just I cannot understand people. I can't understand writers. It pissed me off so much that I was like, fine, I, I get it, but I don't like that. Yeah. And that's what we say about the finale. I understand that they made that choice horrible way to defeat Thrawn. The only cool part is the the connection between how Ezra was holding both sides and how Kanan Jarrus was holding both sides. Uh, when, you know, he was pushing Hera away from the blast, you know, uh, Ezra was holding Thrawn in while he was pushing the doors to the, to the clone troopers to making sure that they, excuse me, the stormtroopers to make sure they weren't going to kill him while he was, they were doing this. Um, that was a cool connection, but Oh my God. Yeah. I just, yeah. Yeah, I'm not a big fan one, of the space whales. One, oh, of course. But one thing that kind of gets me that I kind of feel like that, that was kind of a mistake was like the end of this show, essentially, it's, you know, based on timeline, it's right before A New Hope, right? Yeah. We know in A New Hope at the beginning, the galaxy is not in a good state. It's a horrible state. There's planets being destroyed. You're telling me that you have a show. It's almost like a, a a group of side characters like the ending to the big finale to the show is a planet we've never heard of before being safe yeah it's not really a big payoff you know yeah and and that's kind of upsetting because I, I don't dislike the show but the stakes are not really that high like if the whole ghost crew just died 
right then and there. And they failed to liberate LaFall. It wouldn't impact the story of Star Wars at all. Because you still know that Luke destroys the Death Star, the whole Rebels win, the Battle of Endor. Yeah. So it doesn't really matter. Yeah, I have some thoughts also. In terms of the space whales, I get the sort of like, oh, Ezra spent the whole series connecting with the animals, so we're going to use the animals to win, and that's why the space whales come in. And for yeah, me, you could have picked, picked other animals. But the thing with why I think the space whales was that we need to get Ezra out of the picture completely so the fans aren't asking where the hell was he during the, during the original trilogy, where Obi-Wan's saying, oh, you're the last Jedi, or Yoda's saying, you're the last one, basically, or if there's one other. And if he's off in unknown space and nobody can find him, therefore we need somewhere to get him there and to the space whales. That's why the space whales are here. I think that's my problem assume, with it. You'd assume he's with Thrawn, right? Yeah, so they're wherever they are, they're together, but they're nowhere to be found. So when when an Ahsoka says where is Thrawn, it means Ezra's around too, right? Yeah, she's looking for Ezra, basically. Unless Ezra died in space. I doubt it, but No, the space whales saved them. I swear to God. I swear to God there's space whales in Ahsoka. I <laughs> Space Whales in, in Mando season three. I, or book of Boba Fett. Huh. If those... I, feel, I feel like it, we'll talk about this in a little bit. We're going to do a preview of book of Boba Fett. So don't don't even answer. I'm just going to tell you my thoughts real quick. I feel like the book of Boba Fett is going to kind of go away from this and be focused on something else. But we'll mm-hmm. get to that later. Yeah. And in terms of like unresolved threads here, I feel like this finale basically said, okay, they will they had Sabine to a little monologue where they're basically saying, okay, here's where everybody ended up after the show. I say, don't mention Ezra because he basically says to them, hey, like, I'm gone. Like, don't follow me. Like, protect my planet. We see basically that Hera goes off and joins the rebellion, which is why we see Chopper beeping and booping in Rogue One. We have uh, Zeb and 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 Callus uh, go back to his planet, Zeb's planet, where Zeb basically shows him that Callus didn't completely genocide his people. Sabine basically guards Lafal the whole time, and then show, Ahsoka shows up. We find Rex and Hera with the Battle of Endor. So this is like a big, very quick, tidy, and that also forgot that. Hera has a son with Kanan, and his name is Jason Sindula, and now he's part of the, the he likes to fly. You had mentioned last um, podcast, we talked about the Book of Boba Fett. We watched the trailer that night on here, if you remember, we watched it. Yeah. And you had said characters that may come back, and I didn't want to say anything. I had a character. I think their son might be in it. Jason Sindula? Yeah. Well, he's going to be like, what, like, he was three at the end of, like... Rebel at the he end of like he only had to be oh, he's five just, he's, he's like he's, 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 he's only he's gonna be, be, be about 10 years old on the book of Boba Fett yep I mean we've seen 10 year olds before yep well we'll get, we saw we saw Boba Fett as a 10 year old when we first met him yeah and Pete what do you think about like some of the like where they left the other characters I mean the only thing that made the connection to me was was the the Hera and Rex Valendor. Yeah, and also you know, Ezra says I'm counting on you to Sabine. Yeah, so like you got to find me, you got to help me out. So yeah. even though he says don't come follow me, like he had like this thing with Sabine, like no no you you got to come find me please. Yeah, <laughs> you know like like please I I I really need you to come get me. Um, it again fine. It was it was a wrap up kind of monologue to say hey everything's cool everything's sunshine and butterflies and hey look ahsoka you know like it it was it was fine the mural was cool at the end that that sabine had done too um but i I, i'll be honest with you i think after the space whales my brain shut off so i just don't like i was just like yep okay yep all right like i just very begrudgingly just watching it you know it wasn't very genuine after that for me 
but don't don't forget, Pete. The they you said everything's all fine and dandy. It's not because they apparently they they somehow cloned the emperor, and this was all for nothing because the empire is going to start up again in a couple of years, like thirty you, years. You're you're right. You're yeah, right. And even you're in Mando, right. it's still not even gone. It's five years later, right. and, the, and the empire is still the main villain. It's like they won't give up. But yeah, yeah. you're right. So I guess it's not all fine and dandy. Apparently, it all meant nothing. All the sacrifices. Yeah. Yeah, and we have also like several like these dangling plot points. I think the biggest thing that like was surprising at this show is like they left some very big matzo balls out there for, for you to grab. I think the biggest one is going to come clear, and we've learned from casting for Ahsoka is that the Ahsoka Sabine quest to find Ezra, I think, is going to be the thrust of the Ahsoka show. I think that's where we're going to end up going with that. So my guess is maybe they found out that Thrawn is around, and that's why Ahsoka was asking where is Thrawn. But there was no Ezra, so she's so she's you know calls up Sabine. Hey, Sabine, Thrawn's around, but there's no Ezra. You want we got to go find this guy. Yep. It's been like it's been like ten years we've been looking, so let's find him. That's, that's what I'm thinking because like if Thrawn's around and he's not, he must be somewhere. Yeah, and Pete, they officially cast uh, Sabine Wren. I believe it's not Natasha Lou Bordizo is playing her in in Ahsoka and. She now is going to become the second Rebels character with a live action after Chopper beat and booped his way through through uh, Rogue One, that well, like five-second scene. So you think we're going to see any of these other Rebels, saw, Rebels characters pop up in live action besides those two? I, I, my theory, you know, we talked about this sort of text to have a theory about Ahsoka. I feel like Ahsoka is just going to be a continuation of Rebels. That's my theory. Um, and not so much the continuation of Rebels where the storyline, because there's we've had a continuation of Rebels, a storyline where first order and everything comes back sequels and stuff. But um, I just, I feel like Ahsoka and Sabine are going to be the group, right? It looks like these live action are always like groups of two, right? Mando and the child, uh, Boba and Fennec and Ahsoka and Sabine. I feel like that's what it's going to be. And it's going to be trying to find Ezra, Thrawn. Maybe Zeb's going to show up in live action. Maybe Chop is still around. Maybe Hera's still around. I don't know. Um, I have a, I have a feeling this is just one of my like hot takes that we are just going to see all the rebels characters in Ahsoka's six or seven episode series. Yeah, would be cool. It'd be cool if we got. It'd be cool. I don't know either, but I just there's my hot take. No, no I was gonna, Mike. You say what you're gonna say. I will, and I'll say what I was gonna say. So it'd be cool if we got Freddie Prince Jr. before goes Kanan in this in that show. That would be cool. But I was gonna say is I don't know how we're gonna get Zeb in live action. That's gotta be a CGI a CGI job. That's what I'm saying. I mean, uh, you got Thanos <laughs> in live action. You yeah, know, I guess. I mean, it's, it's, definitely, it's definitely possible. I guess it's yeah. just gonna look. It's gonna look weird. Oh, of course. Yeah. 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 Here's another thought well, for I the life. I guess Harry maybe aging Callus. You know. Here's a crazy. Here's a crazy thought. Also, do we have Ted Morrison grow a beard and dye it white and have him be Rex? I mean, he's probably he'd probably be in. Yeah, uh, yeah I, 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 I would say yes. I feel like you got to do that because if you're having a soak, I think you got to have Rex show up in there somewhere. True, very true. I mean, also, well, the other go, it goes the other way, right? Rex was in Bad Batch. Does that mean Soak has to be in that too? She could. There's still a lot of time. No, there is, but you know, it. it I don't know. I, it, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. And let's go ahead now. Let's get to some of our trackers here for the finale here. Uh, wrap up our final season of Rebels trackers. So 
to revisit some of these, we are going to start out here with our Hondo tracker. And he got up to 17 appearances, the two appearances in the last two episodes. So 17 times you saw Hondo from the beginning of Clone Wars to Rebels, Nick. It's fantastic, honestly. And 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 spoiler alert for the end of this podcast, 18 if you include my trip last week. All right, so we'll get we'll save that one, but he's 17 appearances in the shows for Hondo. The Darksaber. Got two more appearances in the premiere, up to 10 before it gets handed off to Bo-Katan. And Bo-Katan picks up two appearances as well. So she's up to 11 over the two shows. But all we got of her was here was just her showing up, helping out, and getting the Darksaber and leaving. So what do you think about that, Pete? I mean, I, I, I guess in the show, it was tying up loose ends so Sabine can get back uh, out into it and that Bo-Katan comes back. I don't, I don't think she had like a huge impact for me in the season it was a huge impact for that arc but not the season so it was cool seeing her but you know i i, I actually kind of am more excited to see what bo katan does in mando than than now like we got the explanation now okay well what's bo katan gonna do to get that dark saber back yeah you guys a little disappointed that like i feel like when i saw the dark saber and like bo katan i was like oh i know them from the and then going back and rewatching, kind of weren't in it that much at all yeah they show up for like not a lot. Yeah, I, I kind of don't remember it being that way, but yeah, it was barely in. All right, next up here go to the movie character appearances. Ended at forty. The new additions here this season. We got four more appearances from Mon Mothma. Wed showed up one more time. General Zodana popped up twice, and I'm only crediting Emperor Palpatine for his appearance in episode thirteen, where you see inside his portal. I'm not giving him credit for being the hologram in the finale. What about um, Bail Organa? Does he count? He was only a hologram. Okay. He never actually physically appeared in at Yavin 4. Okay. Yeah. Because remember, he's, well, he's on Alderaan. He's about to die, so. That was cool when he was on Yavin 4 in uh, Rogue One. Yeah. I mean, he goes, he leaves leaving, goes back to Alderaan, gets murdered in the like, next, like, two, like, three weeks, so. Yep. All right. The Clone Wars character appearance, we end up at 65 total, so Clone Wars easily won. We got two from Ahsoka. We got another four from Rex. We got two from Gregor. We got two more from Hondo. We got two from Saw Gerrera, two from Ursa Ren, and Bo-Katan got two more. So, as he predicted, that the Clone Wars characters won easily. And what was the final? 65 to 40. Uh, it's not that awful. Well, the difference is, I think it's just the fact that like, Rex is basically a main character for two seasons. So, I think that's basically the separator. What's Rex's total number? Rex is up there. I haven't done the exact count. I feel like he's got to be at least like 20 by himself. So yeah, if you take out Rex, it's pretty even, right? Yeah, because yeah, you know what, you can't take out Rex because he was there. He was very important for the first, for the second, two, yeah. second, third season. The fourth season basically hanging out with Callus until the finale. Yep. All right. The chopper kill count. He picked up one more this season. He dropped that stormtrooper to his death in season four, episode fourteen. So fifty thousand and twenty-one kills for Chopper over the course of Rebels. My guy. Yeah, he did slack off significantly. And how many does three PO have? I'm gonna say zero. Mm-hmm. Remember he was shooting and and attacking the clones. I'm gonna have more of the Bowser than three PO. I would I would I would like to make a, a controversial hot take here. Chopper's better than R two D two. Chopper has more fun than R two D two. He's I, I, I think R two is just iconic. He's really he's iconic. Cool. What does he do? Like, honestly, 
Right. Chopper does all the same things. It's just he's he, kind of funny with like with Yoda a yeah, little yeah. bit and Empire Strikes Back. But that's about it, right? Yeah. But there was this Chopper. Chopper has like a sassy personality. So it makes him stick out more. R2 is sort of like the old reliable, like, oh, he just does whatever you need him to do. And to be honest, it's kind of Yoda that's funny. Yeah. With him, not really him funny with Yoda. Yoda's the one hitting him. Yeah. It, yeah. yeah. Like Yoda's annoying him. That's basically what, what's going on there. Yeah. And it's funny because R2 is like, what the hell is wrong with you, crazy old man? I know you I know you're smarter than this. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think, speaking of R2, real quick, in A New Hope, when Obi-Wan says, I don't remember owning a droid, and everyone's like, That's crazy. I, I think that makes sense. He only lived him for like two years, and Obi-Wan's been on the planet for 20. He lived the whole life of 30 years before that. I, I think it's there's tons of R2 units in the world, or yeah. in the universe, the galaxy, rather. Like thousands probably millions probably i don't think it's that crazy that he would have forgot yeah well i mean again he's also that's why i'll spend a lot of time on anakin not exactly with him yeah i don't yeah. think it's that crazy at all people always point to that as a continuity error i don't think it is all right and last tracker here the episodes on focus on sabine zeb and hera we only got the two at the beginning on sabine and man of the war the rest of the season was about the ezra canaan plot so that makes sense yeah yeah we have 15 total that were not uh, uh, 73. It's not bad. 15 to 73. Yeah, that's what you'd expect, I guess, right? Yeah. Zeb got the very short trip, but for obvious reasons, because his plots really went nowhere. I mean, there's not there's nothing for him. It's just the muscle. Yeah. All right. Let's now go on to the MVP and LVP rankings for season number four. Or where we are right now. Sabine's the leader in the clubhouse at plus five. At Grand Admiral Thrawn and Tano are plus three. At plus two, the Grand Inquisitor. Hera, Mr. Maul, and Chopper. Plus one, Tarkin and Sato. Negative one, Kanan Jarrus, the governor of Lothal, Clan Wren, Wedge, Lando, and Hondo, as well as AP5. I a big contribution to that negative one section of the list. Ezra is negative two. Then the quartet at the bottom of negative three is Zeb, Team Inquisitors, Callus, and Bendu. So I'm going to try and save us a little time here on the MVPs. Are we in agreement here doing a family play that we're all giving one to Ezra and one to Kanan? For what? MVP. Yes. Yep. All right. So we'll just talk about those two real quick. So, Pete, why are you giving uh, Kanan the MVP? I mean, sacrifices himself uh, for the betterment of the group. He made, I mean, the sacrifice itself made my jaw drop, right? Um, kind of made me be like, wait, well, what are they going to do the rest of the season, you know, for the extra couple episodes? Like, is it just going to be all on Ezra now or everything? So uh, he does the right thing. Um, let's Ezra have his freedom. Trust Ezra. This is like one of the times in, in Star Wars where we see the master actually trust the apprentice. Um, don't really see a lot of that when it comes to Obi-Wan and Anakin. Um, you saw a little bit of it with Qui-Gon and, and Obi-Wan. But um, that was good to see. And then Ezra just, you know, again, I hate the, sh the the whales, but he saves the day and he he makes a plan and he thinks about his people before himself. And he, he, he you know, almost like with Ahsoka, he grows up um, again. It's I don't want to compare him to Ahsoka because I feel like Ahsoka is just 100 times better, in my opinion. I just I like her better. I like her character development and what she does better. But he grows up and he does the right thing and it, and it, and it makes a big difference. Yeah. Nick, any thoughts on those two? Um, 
I think Kane and like I mentioned earlier took a big back seat in season three. Once he went blind, really. And this season I feel like he came back and that was nice to see because he was kind of gone for a while. And as I mentioned before with Ezra, he took a huge leap forward. He was I don't want to say hateable, would you say? He was, he, he said, like, I, like I said, he was a bit of like a he was a he really was a punk in the first season. Yeah, but I didn't hate him. I was just like, mm, you know, yeah. he was okay. He was average at best. And I feel like he ended as a, it's a strong character. Like he's, he's a, I support Ezra. So big development from him. Nowhere near the development of Ahsoka, but good development. Ahsoka went from hated to loved. He went from, I don't really like you to you're okay. Yeah. He went from, for me, went from turd to, okay, I feel, I feel bad now that like, he's actually like, sacrificing himself to make sure that like his world is safe. He doesn't get to reap right. the benefits of it. Yeah. And what did Ahsoka do? Went from, are you kidding me? To she's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, so, Kane obviously right. ha- had to get it too, because again, if he doesn't sacrifice himself, the show's over because they all die. And then Zeb and Chopper sing in the desert and have no idea what to do. Back to what I said earlier. Is that, is that a horrible ending for the show? If they all for the show, yeah, but yeah. for the story of Star Wars, is it a horrible ending? Well, they're not relevant to the main story. No, it wouldn't matter. Yeah, yeah, Lothal could explode, and it wouldn't matter. I mean, it's... yeah. All right, so now we each have one left to play with, so one more MVP each. So, P, who are you going giving your last MVP of Rebels to? Hmm. I'm gonna give my last MVP to Sabine. Um, she kind of has that mentality like okay Ezra's gone but we have to finish the mission if if, if we don't complete what we're going to complete now that ending doesn't happen um, also with Mandalore she shows a lot of great character growth as well also just really like her character so it might be, be a little biased so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give my last MVP point to Sabine alright Nick who are you giving your last point to also Sabine I think you mentioned she had the arc around her season uh, episodes one and two and then after that it really wasn't about her but she stills relevant enough in the story and there that even when she's the story is not centered around her she can make it so if you're just like him halfway through the episode and weren't really paying attention and watched you would think it's centered around her she is really good at being involved in storylines and being on screen and not being forgotten even when the episode is not about her which is like the opposite of zeb like Zeb is just there and it's never about him. Like I can watch an episode and be like, is this about Sabine right now? Or oh no, no, it's Ezra. But like is him saying, like I he's she's there with him, like the saw stuff and on the like at the end of the day, Ezra is the main character of this show. But it's kind of close. Yeah. Especially after season one. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I'm looking at the chart right now. I think in terms of episodes focused on them, Sabine has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight episodes after season one focused just on her. So that tells you that they they invested a lot in that character. Yeah, and like I said, she could trick you into thinking that more of them were about her. All right. In terms of honorable mentions here, I'll throw a couple out here. I gave I consider giving Hondo an MVP point, P point to get him out of the wow. negatives. I couldn't do it because he's only there for finale. He has his one great moment. And then he, but again, like he, he comes through clutch, but I couldn't get it to him off of just the one episode. I just thought about throwing, but again, he's not there enough because like he's off trying to sell the emperor on his projects for most of the season. He's not really there. I gave it to Callus. I want him to get out of that bottom tier of the negative threes as 
he plays a very important role in the liberation of Lethal because his information on the Imperial Protocols does have a big part in playing Ezra's plan out and getting the, everybody back into the base before they blow it up. I'm happy you did that because if you remember at the, when we did season two, I guess that was October. Yeah. I had said when I had put, we, I think we had all put Callus as an LDP and I said, this will be the last time he's here. Yeah. And I'm happy you did that because you, not only was he not an LDP, he made him an MVP. So Good for him. Yeah, so th- I, I, that's really good for. I mean, Baloney. I think could be wrong. I don't know if there's anything out there, like an article or something or an interview. It seems like he wanted to make Callus the main villain of the show. It didn't work at all. They completely scrapped the idea, went around, figured let's take Thrawn from Legends and make him canon, and they saved the character. And that's cool to think. Like you go two seasons basically failing. Or a season and a half, and they come up the idea probably in the middle of season two, but and you salvage the character, and that's pretty pretty good. I mean, look at the rest of the bottom of the board there, P. I mean, at that this point, it's Zeb, it's the Grand, in- it's Team Inquisitors, and it's Bendu. I don't think he's as bad as those characters. No, not at all, especially in this season. I that's company he shouldn't be in right now. But I, I the unfortunate part is that. He had such a bad first couple of seasons. It's hard to come back from. Oh, no. He deserves to be the negatives. I don't think he's just the worst character on the show. No, he shouldn't be in that company. No. no. Okay. Now let's go the other way. Let's go the LVPs. I'm going to make one proposal before we dive into this. Family play on Governor Price for this. He put immediately negative three. Oh, yeah. Pete? 100%. I would, I would give her an LVP. Yeah, because this character is god awful, and I will point out the fact that besides the f- like, not even just the fact that she's like, like a horrendous person, her job there is that she decides she's running this factory so Thrawn can do his defender project. She blows up all the fuel to try and kill four rebels. Four. She kills one of them, destroys all the fuel, and says, "I'm going to cover it by having a parade." And then Thrawn immediately sees through that and says, "Like your ass is dead when I get back there." So. She deserves exactly what she got, in my opinion. I agree. She's, I mentioned earlier, she looks the part. She has the voice of the part. Great villain in terms of appearance and whatnot, but she sucks. P, anything to add on Governor Price? No, I Nick said it all, honestly. That, <laughs> that was perfect. She sucks. That's all I have to say. All right. Now we each have two more to go. So, Nick, who's the second LVP? I, you know, I don't want to do this because I feel bad for the guy, but it's Zeb. He's just there, and he has nothing. I feel bad almost because it's not even his fault anymore because he's just like, he doesn't add it. He doesn't really take away from the story. He doesn't add anything. I just kind of feel bad doing it, but what am I supposed to do? Give You know, like, he's the main character. He's there a lot, and he's horrible. The only time, only time like this season that I thought like okay good for Zeb was at the end when he was showing Callus like you know it's a little bit of the last scene like showing Callus you didn't mistake my people like that was cool and his reaction when Ezra told him that Kanan died was actually really like touching yeah but he was like what do you mean Kanan's gone like it actually was pretty good like that was a good like little back and forth between the two of them but that's it other yeah. than that he's just nothing Pete second at LVP I'm going to give it to Thrawn. And the reason why I'm doing that is because he acted like the annoyed dad was like, okay, you can't do it. I'll do it myself and wasn't thinking about things. I mean, it, 
he was trying to to defend his tie defender uh project right and he was going up against what i would assume to be the death star project um he he can read through governor price and be like i know what you did like you're hiding a bit apart like i know exactly don't underestimate these rebels don't do this but then the last scene of the last episode he just forgets how he's done everything moving forward and i don't know if it's because he probably knows he lost his tie defender program and he's like i need to make a big play or if he was just so annoyed that his people couldn't get it done that he had to come and like fix it and just didn't think and did something it just it was not thrown like i have to give him an lvp okay my first non-price lvp is i'm going to go ahead and throw on saw Guerrero just because the dude's an absolute lunatic and you get, you get to the point where Ezra and Sabine, where the two probably the most, two most militant members of the Ghost crew, are saying, whoa, this dude's out of his mind. When you go that far, I think you automatically belong on the LVP side of the board. Uh, as a character, I agree. But in terms of the story, I love it. I, as, as, just as a character, like what's happening with him, like where he's basically, his mission is basically he's trying to recruit uh, Ezra and Sabine to his side. He fails miserably. Yeah, I mean, there's no, I've said it countless times before in the last couple of months. So I'm saying it again. He is a terrorist. Yeah. He's literally a terrorist. Yeah. All right, so we each have one left here. So, uh, P, I'll go to you first here. Who's your last LVP? I mean, you the could... writers for putting Space Whale <laughs> as the demise of Thrawn. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, you could you could give the writers a ding for that one. I really did not like that lizard assassin dude. I didn't like him either, but I didn't think I didn't think of him enough to make him an LVP. But if you do it, I'll do it. I mean, because only because the space whales was the only thing that I would give an LVP to. It, it just it the 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 lizard assassin dude was just so arrogant. Like just just get over yourself, bro. You're not a Jedi. You're not a Sith Lord you got a good sense of smell and you can grab onto things. Like it's not that big of a deal. Like you're going to die eventually against the hand of a Jedi. You're just getting lucky all these times. Cause Oh, you have invisibility. Oh, you got this. Oh, you got that. Okay, great. It's going to run out. Don't worry. Like the Jedi has defeated literally mechanical generals, general, you know, uh, grievous and, and, and the Sith. And I don't, I don't think you're that big of a hot shot, dude. So yeah, yeah you know what? L- Lizard assassin, dude, LVP. What's his name? Rook? Rook? Yeah. Rook? I'm, he's, going, he's going on the board as Lizard Assassin. You don't need to look up his name. Lizard right. Assassin. Yeah. Well, I, I don't like him either. I, I'm, gonna, I'm going with Pete on that one. I, I didn't want to do it because to me, I'm like, he was, you know, he was just kind of a small character, but he sucked. If you have, you know, and, to, to be fair to you two, also, he did not accomplish any part of his job he was given by Thrawn. No, he's kept failing. And that's actually a knock on Thrawn, too, is it? keeps failing and i feel like every episode was him failing and then the next episode it's like thrawn talking to him like all right now we're gonna try this and it's like give up he sucks <laughs> but like, like stop like, giving him missions the Fire way him. he would talk he wasn't even afraid of throwing just like yeah i don't know what to tell you bro like <laughs> i can't do nothing that you're telling me to do but i'll, I'll keep trying because i'm the best and like no you're like go go home yeah, go have dinner with your family don't don't deal with this yeah he's, he's cocky af for a terrible character yeah, against G- G- Grand Admiral Thrawn, the, yeah. the guy up until the last episode who was like the smartest, like, will kick the crap out of you, dude, 
you know, that that is literally the one of the highest ranks in the empire that can just have anyone assassinated for any reason possible. You're talking to him like he's under you. Like, what? Yeah. How are you getting away with this crap? Yeah. Yeah, he's a bad character. So I'm last up here. I had a couple of options for the honorable mentions here. I thought about digging Chopper because Chopper comes a chicken this season. I really don't like that. And I thought it was a very annoying turn of the character. I thought about digging Palpatine for not physically showing up here. And in terms of all the things you mentioned here, I'm going to take Pete's Rizzo. I'll give my last LEP to the writers because they ate a lot of mistakes this season. And I get that they were canceled ahead of time. But to me, it's like they had so many like screw ups in here and they were trying so hard to like, oh, we got to land the plane and sort of explain why none of these characters are actually around during the movies. And I don't think they did a satisfying job with a lot of them. I don't either. And I feel like a lot of them, as I mentioned, the stakes were not that high and that kind of takes away from the show. Like I it never really, I don't remember ever watching a TV show that I've watched all the way through where it didn't really matter at the end. Yeah. P are you happy? I, I ding the writers here. Yeah. Because guess who gets rid of the lizard King? Yeah. Zeb <laughs> of all people. I'm going to crunch this steel around your leg and you'll get electrocuted. That That's the guy who outsmarted this lizard guy. Yeah. Ezra couldn't do it. Sabine couldn't do it. But Zeb, I got this. What? What? <laughs> no, I, I'm sorry. Like, it, yeah, this is a wave of emotion for that last episode. It just, just doesn't need to be there. I, <laughs> yeah, I just figure between Chopper, the Emperor stuff, the Thrawn becoming an idiot in the last like 10 minutes of the episode, the Space Whales, the writers need to get dinged. Oh, terrible. All right. So to recap here, Sabine was the most valuable character of, of Rebels for us. She ended up with plus seven MVP points. So basically she got like two, like at least almost a point of season, pretty more than a point of season, pretty much. Almost two points per season. Uh, Ezra That's and Kanan right. both end up in the positive after our family plays. So that was nice for them. And the worst character was Zeb. He ended up at negative four. There you go. Yeah, we had a big dog pile yeah. of negative one, but Zeb and one and Sabine, the other, I feel like makes, makes sense. It does. Does and Zeb, I feel bad for Zeb though because I don't hate him. He, you know what I mean. The character is bad. Yeah, I feel bad. Like the other guys that were knocking for LVPs, like Governor Price, I'm like oh she's you know oh like she's horrible. Like back in Clone Wars, like we're, we're putting Zero the Hot down there. Like oh my god, what a terrible character. Like yeah, Zeb is a bad character, but like I like him. Does that make sense? Yeah, you like him, but he's like, he's like a lovable idiot. It's almost like um, like I like him as a person. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'd love to hang out with him sometime, but I don't want to watch him much on the show. Yeah, the way I'll put it to you is like, I'll compare it this way. It's like, I have I have five dogs. I don't know if Nick knows this. I don't know if Pete knows this. One of my dogs is absolutely adorable, but she's very stupid. And like, of the dogs, she'll probably be like the LVP of the dog because like, she's cute, but she doesn't know like any commands and like does really dumb things. So like, that's sort of like where we end up with Zeb. I like it. Yeah. All right. Let's go a couple other items real quick. Season rankings here. So far, they've gone in order. We've gone season three, season two, season one, and the shorts. So where does season four rank for you, Pete? I, I think this is the top one for me. Um, if we were going to rank them against Clone Wars, it wouldn't be my top finale season. But it out of the Rebels seasons, I, I, I think this is the strongest. I think... We have really no filler episodes with a lot of information that makes sense. There is some stuff that doesn't make sense, 
but still overall a great season. And I think it, I think it tops it. And I think they did a good job knowing they were canceled ahead of the fact. So um, yeah, I, I got to put them on top. Yeah. And Nick, are you going on top for them too? For season four? Um, I'm trying to decide my, if I'm putting it on top or if I'm putting it right below three, but I think I'm going to put it on top. It's pretty close, but I'm going to put it on top. There's really, like I mentioned earlier at the start of the podcast here, there's really no, there's really no like bad episodes. Yeah. So you got to take, like, I, I don't think these episodes blow me away. Like we all know that season two finale is by far the best episode of the show. It doesn't come like these episodes don't come close, but the worst episode in this is like uh, definitely in the top half of episodes. So like, it's just very consistent. It seemed that this show is in general like it's consistent. Clone Wars had so many more highs, but so many more lows, and this show is just consistent. It's not really awful. It's not really great. It's just consistently pretty good. It was safe, right? Clone Wars yeah. was high risk, high reward. Yeah, this this yeah. was a safer bet. Yeah, I gotta put it on the top too. I think as you said, like the season was so consistent where like. There were no potholes. There was no like episodes where AP five and Chopper were arguing enough Chopper stealing legs. Like everything was connected to the plot. Even the, some of the ones on with all that were taking a while, they introduced key elements that came back later. So I think has to be number one, in my opinion. Let's see where it takes us in the future. Yeah. And before we get to the future, I want to mention also like now we've done the whole exercise here. We've done clone wars. We've done rebels, the entirety, like, as a show, which one would you prefer to watch if you had to watch only one again? Pete, I'll go to you first on this. Uh, Clone Wars. I would I would rather watch that. Um, Even with all your droid arcs? Yes, only because I feel like they lead to what is already what we know in 4, 5, and 6, episodes 4, 5, and 6. This kind of just led to nothing. Nick said it kind of already in this podcast. So like the ending didn't really matter. Lethal could have exploded, you know, Hera, all of them could have died and it just wouldn't have changed anything in the Star Wars universe. Knowing a Padawan of Anakin Skywalker is still out there after Order 66. Knowing Rex is still around after Order 66. Knowing... All that we saw in Clone Wars to get more information about Maul, Maul. characters, Maul, and, right? And Maul. Yeah, I just think Clone Wars is the superior show. Um, if I had to rank, like the Clone Wars movie to the seasons of Rebels, or even the first couple seasons of the season of Rebels, Rebels would be higher. But I, I think the last three seasons of Clone Wars blow Rebels out of the water, even with droid arcs. Uh. So, Nick, what about you? Uh, agreed with Pete. I, I prefer Clone Wars. I, I want to say, though, I think Rebels is made better. Like, if they made Clone Wars now, like with, like they did in Season 7, I guess you could say, because it came out after. But, I mean, all that stuff was already kind of written before. Yeah. But you know what I'm trying to say. Like, they, it's almost like they learned their lesson in Clone Wars and improved on it in Rebels. Like, no droid arcs in season four and if there was a droid arc it was only one episode like they weren't really like arcs like that and i think they learned a lot of lessons that way but the content in clone wars i think blows it out of the water i'm gonna be controversial here. i'll say that i would probably give rebels a second look before i went back to clone wars again not only for the length but i also think for the fact that like 
this show had a harder task because in Clone Wars, you walk in invested in Anakin and Obi-Wan and all the Jedi you know from the movies, and you're immediately invested. Like, they gave us six brand new characters and said, here, we're to love these guys, and you got attached to pretty much all of them, with one notable exception by the end of the show, and you saw, like, basically a mini version of the Ahsoka arc with, with Ezra, where he starts as a turd, becomes really good. And the story, I think, is much tighter. I think, for me, I prefer going back to that again. Because I think I appreciate the degree of difficulty they had in trying to make that concept work. Yeah, they did. I, I, want, I think Clone Wars took some risks, too, though. With You mentioned you come into the show, Anakin and Obi-Wan and Padme and Yoda and all that. And then you're kind of being told, no, your main character is going to be a 14-year-old girl, though. Yeah. I think that's, that was hard for them at first, too. That was a risky move as well. Yeah, at the same time, like, you still have Anakin, Obi-Wan, as co-anchors. You still have them, exactly. You still have them, yeah. Like, you don't have those guys here. Like, you're basically right. taking, like, I mean, the Rex is kind character. of a, a tag-along you, for two seasons, but he's not the main focus you, ever. Yeah, you have tag-alongs and Rex and Ahsoka, and then you have, like, Tarkin showing up every now and then. That's about it. Yeah. I, I think that's interesting, this, this point for us to disagree on that. Before we get to where we're going next the podcast, Nick did some traveling over the Thanksgiving break. He went to... Star Wars Galaxy Edge, he has some reports he wants to share with us. Yeah, I went to, well, all of Disney World I went to, I went, uh, and I guess not all of it, but I went to the four major parks, and uh, it was great. You know, we'll, we'll focus on Galaxy Edge. The other stuff was great, too, but I don't know if you guys been. I think, Pete, you said you have been there. I have. I wasn't, unfortunately, able to experience everything. Um Rise of the Resistance ride, which I'm sure you talk about, was half broken. So I only got to see like the second half of the ride. Um, and I didn't get to build a lightsaber or anything like that because the line's too long. So I didn't get to experience everything, but I was there. So I went with my fiance, with just two of us that day. I knocked out everything in the park except Galaxy's Edge first. So by the time like two o'clock, one o'clock came, like one thirty. I was done with everything except Star Wars. And I'm like, all right, I have about eight hours now to just do all Star Wars stuff. So I did the Smuggler's Run with Hondo. And it was great to see Hondo. Unfortunately, I got a horrible job. I was in the back fixing the, the, the ship. It was a terrible job. This guy in the front, in one point in the, uh, the thing, like you're the pilot. So he's literally like Han and Chewie. And I tell him to put it in the into hyperdrive, and he actually takes it and moves it. Like oh, that would have been so cool to do. But like, I was in the back, just like hitting buttons, so it was kind of boring. But it was a great, it was a good ride. You get to see Hondo again, so it shows you the Hondo. And then technically, Galaxy's Edge is canon, so that means Hondo is still alive. And this takes place roughly right before Episode Seven, I believe. Yeah, I think there's also a is comic that- book attached to that, Han- that yeah. shows he's alive. He's basically dealing with Chewie at that point. Right, yeah. So that was good. And then um, kind of just walking around the area. So I was waiting for a long time, monitoring the line on Rise of Resistance. It was averaging between 150 and 210 minutes, which is between two and a half and three and a half hours. So I was just kind of monitoring it and seeing if it started going down. Maybe I'll go on it, you know. And I knew I was going to go on. And then um, I got the blue milk. How is which it? was really good. It's it's uh I so the alcohol they put in it is rum, and then they have a green one where they put tequila in it. I got I like rum. I don't really like tequila, so I'm getting the blue one a lot. It's really good. I don't really know what it is, but it's really it's like a mixed. It it's kind of tastes like a. If this makes sense, like a cotton candy pina colada. Interesting. 
It's really good. And I was drinking. I had a couple of those. I think I had two or three of those. And I walked around a little bit. I went to the lightsaber build thing and I looked at it and I'm like, this looks like the same day I could buy in Kmart. <laughs> I don't think it was, maybe I didn't see the right thing. It looks horrible. It looks like you, literally the plastic lightsabers, but you can make it your own, I guess. I was expecting it to be like really cool looking and that's why it was $220, but it was not at all. Oh, it went up because it used to only be a hundred bucks. It was two twenty plus tax. Wow. And and then uh, I looked at the Droid Factory, which was pretty cool. You can build your own droid. That's actually at the Star Tours ride. You know the old Star Wars ride. Yeah, that's the one and I've been on. They, they still have that one there. I didn't. I didn't go on that one, but it was in the gift shop of that ride where they have the um, the Droid Factory thing, or at oh, least where I saw it too. So the Droid and, used to be in the middle of of. Um, what's it called? In the middle of Galaxy's Edge. No, there, there's still one there. Okay. I don't know. It's a little confusing. Maybe it's the lightsaber thing they built. You build in Star Tours. Maybe I haven't mixed up. Maybe. Maybe people were building lightsabers. I think that's what it is. Anyway, then um, I wanted to go into the cantina, which they have, which is based on Maz's castle, the cantina in there. Um. And I asked them, do you need a reservation to get in? And the woman said, yes. And we're booked for months. And I was like, oh, I guess I'll just leave. You know? Yeah. And another woman with like a iPad holding it like a clipboard says, hey, you want to, you guys want to get in? And I go, I'm thinking, it reminds me of episode two when the, when the guy goes to Obi-Wan, you want to buy some death sticks? You know? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I, I want to get in. And she goes, what's your, what's your name? Like your last name, and I say my last name, and then it pops up for her like on like an autofill because I have like a Disney account because it's all through the app nowadays, like everything through the, the Disney World app. Like even the fast passes are right through the app. So she finds me, she goes, Okay, check your phone. And it says, It says your table is being prepared. And then literally like five seconds later, it says your table is not ready. Go to the hostess. And she goes, Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. And I go up to the same lady who told me it was booked, and I go, Oh, my table's ready. And she's like, Okay. And he brought me inside, and the place was awesome. The cantina. It's literally like a bar, but it's like Star Wars. And since they do, like, most of the time, like, when I was young, I used to go to the bars, of course, who didn't? But, like, it was always too crowded. You know what I mean? It was loud. You couldn't hear anything. But because they, like, control how many people get in and not, it wasn't crowded at all. Like, you get your own space, and you could hear the person next to you, which was nice. And all the drinks are Star Wars-themed. And they're nothing like I've ever had, but they have beer too. But I didn't get any beer in there. I got. Um, Did you have the one that numbs your mouth? Yes. So I had a few drinks. Um, my fiance got the Bespin Fizz, and he pours it in, and it like smokes up like the, like the Fizz. Pretty, it's pretty cool. I got. I don't remember what I got first. It was. Uh, I think it's called the Jedi Mind Trick. I'm not sure what it was though. But anyway, then I got this drink. But Pete mentioned where you numbed your mouth, and the guy gives it to me, and the the bartender's playing like a character, you know. Like, cause that's like part of the Disney experience where he plays a character and he's like, are you with the first order or with the resistance? Like most people, you know what I mean? So he goes to me, he goes, some travelers say, this is going to numb your mouth. And I look at him like, okay, guy, like it's not going to numb my mouth. Like, you know, <laughs> and I didn't say that to him. I'm thinking that. And then I take a sip. And it was really good. I don't know what it was, but it was a really good drink. And I'm drinking in like five minutes later. I'm like looking at my lips a lot. And he comes over and he's like, I see it's working. And I'm like, no, I'm just licking my lips. I don't know what he's talking about. And then five more minutes pass, and I cannot feel my lips. And it really worked. But then you only get 45 minutes in there, too. Like, you're only allowed. So we left, and we have nothing else to do the rest of the day. So we use the restroom. 
We have nothing else to do. It's like three o'clock. So I said, let's do it. I don't care how long the line is. Let's do it. So we walked over to Rise of the Resistance. And it was closed. Oof. And I'm like, what's going on? How long is it closed for? Well, they're like, we don't know. It could be five minutes. It could be five hours. Might be, might be closed all day. And I said, all right, it's like three o'clock. I have nothing else to do. I'm legit going to wait. I will wait here until nine o'clock if I have to. And I sat there and for about a 20 minutes, maybe a half hour, then the line opened again. I was the first one on the line when it reopened because I was standing right next to the standby entrance. And the woman who works there goes, reminder to everyone, not reminder, I don't know if she says exactly, but she goes, from this point, it is roughly three hours. Oof. And half the people <laughs> went, oh, and they turned around and left. And I did not leave. My fiance's like, wait, are you kidding? And I'm like, nope, we're waiting. It was about, by the time I got on that line, about 3.30, a little bit later than that, maybe, 3.40. Uh, the line, the ride broke four times when I was online. I got on the ride at 7.15. Wow. So I waited almost four hours for the ride. Uh, by the end of it, honestly, I didn't even, I didn't even want to go on anymore. I was like, <laughs> I, was, I was exhausted. I was exhausted. And, you know, I made some friends of the people behind me online. I was literally exhausted by the end of it. I didn't even want to go on. And um, I, um, yeah, I, yeah, it, it, yeah. But anyway, I went on and I don't know, should I spoil the ride or? Yeah, well, I'm sure we'll go down. We'll do it. Do you, do you want me to say it? Uh, just give me your general opinion. I'll, I'll do a quick recap. I won't spoil exactly, yeah. but you're on a you're on a mission with the resistance. You get captured by the first order. You're go and then they actually capture you. They come on the ship and they like you're you're prisoners and you go into their hangar and I swear to you their hangar is like an acre. It's huge, and you see the stormtroopers and then you get online and then you're being interrogated and they break you out. And the whole ride is basically escaping Kylo and then the first order. That's pretty cool. So yeah, I. Only did that part in the hangar. Like that was the star of the ride for me because it was like one of the first weeks or months that it was like the first month, actually, that Rise and Resistance opened. And we had to get to the park at six o'clock in the morning to reserve a fast pass for a certain time to wait online to get onto the ride. So it, you, they it weren't the queue, letting back then. It was the queue. I think there was, was no, the there was you no standby. Just, you couldn't just, yeah, you couldn't just stand online. You had to get this reservation to get on the yeah. ride. That is currently what it is half, for Ratatouille and Epcot. Okay. So the first half just wasn't working. So they literally took like, we took like a back lot tour, went into the hangar and they were just interrogating us from the hangar. And I'm like, this, there's gotta be more to this. Like this can't be this. And my friend's like, no, like the first half of this ride is like another port that makes sense to this yeah because yeah, like in the ride there's like different audios that are coming through the speakers that are like wait a minute th- i didn't i must have missed something in the story because i don't i don't get what you're saying right now i didn't speak to you to begin with and like oh you're back i'm like what are you talking about <laughs> i never saw you before in my life yeah it so, was it was a really great ride and we as soon as we got off it was like eight o'clock the ride's really long like it's one of the longest rides and maybe the longest ride in all of disney world and oddly enough it was freezing that night if you're in orlando you expect it wouldn't be cold freezing and we had nothing else to do so we went home and that was (laughs) we were exhausted for waiting online that long but great ride definitely recommend for anyone who goes 
Was it worth three and a half hour wait? Of course not, not three and a half hours, but I would, if it says 90 minutes, I'd be like, oh, let's go. Like yeah. that was, oh, yeah. that's, you know, even, even a hundred, like 120 almost, like I would definitely wait that. So Absolutely. maybe probably the best ride in Disney. Strong words there. And with that, we're going to sort of wrap up here. We're going to, because you go long, we're going to do come back later on this month. We're going to do a preview special for Book of Boba Fett. We'll basically talk through what's going to go off the podcast for this. We're going to, I'm working on, hopefully, we're going to try and have our own feed up for this. We're going to have a Sky Guys feed where we put all the Clone Wars and stuff in there. We can go back and listen if you want to get ready. And we'll talk about what's coming up in there. And we'll talk about the fun stuff there. I think we're excited for this, Nick. I can't wait. It's Our journey is over, but our journey is just beginning. Now we're getting live action. Yep. And and when we come on, we'll get to talk like I enjoyed when we did Mandalorian. Then we came on, we talked about an episode, and it and it was like like there were episodes in this in these shows that we didn't even t- touch, we didn't even mention. We went right over our heads. Now we're going to be every episode, every scene we're going to be analyzing, and that's more fun for me. Yeah, for sure. P. I think I, I mean, guys, nice. I did the full like season recap of Mando in season two. It'd be nice to actually go back to that format for a little bit. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I, I'm also excited to see live action Star Wars. I mean, I think with Bad Batch and also watching Clone Wars and and um, Rebels, I've just all been animated so far um, for the past year. Honestly, I don't think I've watched except for our, our movie rankings. I don't think I've watched any live action Star Wars in, in quite some time. So it's going to be nice to have new live action Star Wars content and to speak about it. All right, for sure. And there you have it. I want to thank you guys for coming on here. Really appreciate it, Pete. Go off on social media. How do they do that? Yeah, uh, Twitter at PJ Constantory twenty nine. Hockey season's a full swing. Um, always retweeting our teasers from this show. So definitely give uh, myself a follow. Give Mike a follow. And uh, I don't know if people are following Nick yet, but Nick is whoever not. I decide to plug. I plug someone random each time. Yeah, Nick is not, Nick is not revealed yet. He's he's still determining when that information will be made public. No, but for now, I want you to go and follow Iona Gales MBB because this is our year. Did they win tonight? We were on the air while they were. They on. did. They did. They did not cover, but they won. Yeah, well, I was not. I was about what I expected tonight. I mean, they did beat Alabama last week. That was fun, and, and they will be playing Friday night. They will not be out. This podcast will not be out. But by the time you you tighten the episode is out there, you will know if they are up to eight wins of the season instead of seven. Yeah, and uh, you know I, we lost to Kansas, but we covered. So, all right, we covered by half point, but we covered. All right. Once again, thanks again, guys. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Mike. I can't wait to be back.